Coming up next on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast, it's the Oscars versus the IFMCA. Let's get ready to rumble! Since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. And welcome to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. My name is Eric Woods, the founder and executive producer of this podcast. I'm also a proud member of the International Film Music Critics Association. This podcast is a celebration of everything film, TV, and video game music. There is something in this podcast for everyone, whether you are a film, TV, or video game music veteran or a newcomer. I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give us a listen, and I hope you enjoy the program. Of course, I can't forget our patrons who help make this show possible. If you would like to join the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast Patreon, then please head over to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. We'd also like it if you could rate and review the show. We like to read what you think of the program, and if you submit a rating, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com, letting us know, and we will read your review on an upcoming episode. All right, with all of that out of the way, let's get into the program proper. Today's show is going to be our second installment of The Oscars Suck. I did one of these shows last year because I was just absolutely fed up with, uh, with the Academy Awards. And the main reason behind my boycott of everything Oscars last year was the Academy decided that they were going to take several awards and not present them live on the broadcast. They were going to be awarded off-air, and then they were edited into the telecast. It was seriously an absolutely dumb move on their part, but then again, all that was uh, overshadowed by the slap. So, even though they are now, they being the Academy, getting back to the way they used to do things to a point, every award's going to be announced live during the broadcast, it, it still doesn't matter. For me, the Academy Awards are irrelevant, um, especially when it comes down to film scores. I hate being one of those people, but just looking at the list of nominees this year, for me, picking one of the worst scores of the year as one of the five best, all quiet on the Western Front, it just, it just tells me everything I need to know about the music branch and their selection process. And we will get to the recent set of nominees later on in the show, but the point of the show isn't necessarily the Oscars. And what we did last year was I presented my favorite scores of the previous year. That show is still coming, folks. Don't worry about that. Again, it's better late than never. But on today's program, I thought I'd do something different because, again, as I mentioned at the top of the program, and just for transparency's sake, I'm a member of the International Film Music Critics Association. And I thought it'd be interesting to compare and contrast 
the IFMCA's selections, nominees, and winners, and compare them to what the music branch of the Academy Awards pick as their nominations and winners for that same year. Personally, and yes, slightly I'm biased, I think the IFMCA does a really good job of weeding through all of the scores that we hear. We hear hundreds and hundreds of scores and kind of getting down to the nitty gritty and really picking the best of the year. And of course, that's very subjective. But the IFMCA, just in case you're curious, Curious is an association of online print and radio journalists or podcasters who specialize in writing and broadcasting about film, TV, and video game music. The IFMCA was originally formed in the late 1990s by the now-defunct Film Music Critics Jury by editor and journalist Mikael Carlson, who was a member of the editorial staff at Music from the Movies for over 10 years and was a regular contributor to filmmusicradio.com and filmmusicmag.com. Mikael is now the owner of the Swedish independent film music label Movie Score Media and remains a member of the IFMCA as an honorary president. Now, after a brief period of inactivity from 2000 to 2003, the group returned in 2004, rebranded as the IFMCA. Since its inception, the IFMCA has grown to compromise over 65 members from countries as diverse as Australia, Belgium, Canada, Chile, China, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Romania, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America. The core aim of the group is twofold. First, to promote, celebrate, and comment on the art of film, TV, and video game music, and the composers who create it through published critical reviews, books and articles, opinion pieces, interviews, radio broadcasts, podcasts, videos, public appearances, and via the annual IFMCA awards. Second, the IFMCA is there to support its members in the achievement of the first aim with a number of community-based resources and tools through online publicity, promoting their work, through the sharing of information, expertise, and through the opportunity of collaboration with other members. Now, again, this is all PR from the website, but I think this next paragraph is quite important about how we at the IFMCA go about the selection of the quote-unquote best scores of the year. So the annual IFMCA awards, which were presented first in 2004, are the only awards given to composers by film music journalists. And that really is important. We are film music journalists or film TV and video game music journalists. This is what we spend our time doing throughout the year. We listen, we watch as many movies as possible. We experience, in my humble opinion, more film scores and pay attention to more film scores than anyone in the world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if, if anybody can dispute that fact, I would love to hear it. Now, the IFMCA strongly feels that a film score strength lies in the combined impact of two important elements, the effectiveness, appropriateness, the emotional impact of the score in the context of the film, TV show, or video game for which it was written, and the technical and intellectual merit of the composition when heard as a standalone listening experience. And that is super important. We need to hear what the score does in context. And does it elevate that 
piece of media, whether it being a film, TV show, or video game. But it goes beyond that. There's more to it. What is the score as a composition? And personally, I have always gone back to an incredible quote by Alex North. And one that I I think is even my mantra when it comes down to evaluating film music. And it is this, and this comes from an interview he did for a video that was, or actually I think it was a news broadcast, I think it was actually an NBC piece, on the creation of the 1993 recording of Alex North's Unused Score to 2001. And this is what Alex North had to say about film music. And I think this is, it relates very much so to how we do things at the IFMCA. So here's what Alex North had to say, quote, I've always debunked the idea that music should not be heard if it's a good score. How can you judge a good score if you can't hear it? I've always tried to write for myself and hope others are doing it and have done music that both fits the film and hopefully can stand on its own. And I think there are a lot of people, especially film critics, that miss that point. They hear it in the context of the movie and it'll trigger something and all of a sudden, ah, that's great. Or whether it's something completely different. Oh, it's so different that it must be great. Again, the music could be different. Bravo for the film composer for stepping out of his or her boundaries and and trying to create something new. But is it good music? And again, good music. It's a completely subjective thing. But this is why we have over 65 members as part of the IFMCA, and hopefully we all kind of come together. Uh, and as it's a democracy, we, we vote on these things, and, and hopefully we can best represent what a really good film score is. And that goes back to Alex North and how we go about evaluating film scores is in context, but also as music itself. So as such, the membership of the IFMCA votes for the best scores of the year with these two criteria in mind and strives to recognize scores which excel in both of these areas. As an international organization, the IFMCA also makes conscious efforts to celebrate the best film music, not just from mainstream Hollywood productions, but worldwide, wherever it may originate. And there are times when the IFMCA has either helped in the release of a score due to the fact that we nominated it or even selected it as a winner. We've also helped composers get agents due to the fact that they've won an award through the IFMCA. I think what we do at the IFMCA is important. And as much as we've been doing it since 2004, we are still growing. We're growing slowly, but we're trying to really get out there and showcase why we at the IFMCA are the best at evaluating film music. But again, that's just my own opinion on the matter. I really think we do a great job. As for the Oscars, where do I begin? Because when you look at the the list of nominees throughout the history of the Academy Awards, I would say that earlier on in the Golden Age and even the Silver Age, the, the, the selection of scores were quite good. Then something happened. As for the nomination process, what I find with the Academy Awards is rarely are they picking the best score. And the reason I say that is because you hardly see scores 
nominated from films that are not critical hits. I mean, for instance, as much as the score to Star Wars is a much beloved score, if Star Wars was a financial and critical disaster, I don't think John Williams' score gets nominated. And, and that's the kind of baggage that these scores come with. I mean, and there's some other composers that it's just an absolute automatic that they get a nomination. I mean, just think about how many nominations John Williams has received over the years. I'm not saying that he's not worthy of all of these nominations, but, you know, John Williams can do no wrong when it comes down to uh, the music branch at the, the Academy. But it's, you look through the list of nominees and over the years, and I'm trying to think of the last film that wasn't a critical darling, maybe Passengers in 2016 by Thomas Newman is one of the last that wasn't a critical darling. It received only an approval rating of 30% via Rotten Tomatoes, but it did make $300 million at the box office. But then again, look at the composer of the, the film. It's Thomas Newman, and Thomas Newman has had 14 nominations over his career and hasn't won one yet. So rarely are you seeing films that don't do well get an Academy Award nomination for score. And so that's why you end up with some of these, these film scores where you're like, well, they're, they're okay, but are they truly the best? And again, the best, very subjective. But we're going to look through the nominees from 1998 to the present. I'm not going to do a deep dive into all of these years. And by the way, there are times where the Academy's selection of winner and nominees sort of line up with our own. For instance, in 2007, we selected Atonement as our favorite score. Uh, 2012, we selected Life of Pi. Both are Academy Award-winning scores. But you look through the rest of these lists here, and some of these scores didn't even get Academy Award nominations. And that's the other thing about the Academy. There is such a strict process about applying for uh, best score consideration. I mean, with the IFMCA, we have such lax rules. I mean, we will accept any score that is written between the 1st of January and December 31st of any given year. And I don't think there is a point in time where we ever said no to a film score that was submitted to us. And again, we don't have a an official process of submitting scores. The thing is, we have a grand list of films that were released during a specific year. And even if the score isn't submitted to us for our consideration, if we have the score ourselves, then we can consider that score for the awards. So unlike the Academy, where you got to kind of jump through a million different hoops to just get your score nominated. And I can see why some of these composers just say, forget it. I'm not even going to go through the process because most likely they, they probably won't win because the film wasn't very good. It's not so much, again, about the music. It's just because the film wasn't very good. And so what's the point of going through the process where we don't care whether the film is good or not. If the score is outstanding and does its job and, and really elevates even a crappy movie and the music is great, we'll nominate it. 
So with the Oscars and the music branch, I mean, you got to register with the Academy Awards and you got to request access to the music category. Then you're approved and the submission process must be initiated by either the songwriter or composer or by authorized representatives or someone that's authorized to distribute the music through the studio of that film. And then you got to upload all your music to a specific site. You have to submit a form signed by all the submitting composers, final music cue sheets, music breakdowns. It's, it's crazy. And then after you do that, the Academy or the music branch then has to decide whether it's eligible. And then they got a whole list of, of things that a composer has to do in order to make sure that the score is eligible. I mean, just writing music for the film isn't good enough. The only way that a, a, an original score can be considered is if there's at least a minimum of 35% of total music in the film. If it doesn't match or meet that minimum, then the composer can write into the music branch and say why they feel that their score, if it's less than 35%, is still important. Then when it comes down to sequels and franchises, the score must consist of more than 80% of newly composed music. So it's a whole mathematical process now instead of, you know, just listening to and, and experiencing the art. It's got to be 80% this and 35% that. And then if there's a whole slew of composers that are writing music for this film, again, that the IFMCA, it's the music that's important. If there's 20 people that are writing music for this film, as long as the music's good, we don't care. But at the Academy, it's like, oh, you can only have a, a single composer. Or if there are more than two, then you got to make sure that all of them work together. And then that leads to a whole bunch of controversy because certain scores have been um, ineligible because, you know, one composer worked by themselves and a new composer came in and might have replaced some of the score. And it's like, oh, no, that's not good enough. Those two can't uh, submit for the same score because one was re partially rejected and the other parts weren't. And it's just an absolute mess. And then there was another set of rules for the eligibility of the score by its actual use in the film. And this is the one that just kills a score sometimes where scores like uh, Birdman, um, Johan Johansson's Arrival, numerous scores have been made ineligible because of these three criteria. And this actually comes under the eligibility section of the Academy's rules, rule two eligibility and the F section, which is a score shall not be eligible if one has been diluted by the use of pre-existing music. So that's just, again, telling you how dumb the Academy is at points. They don't know the difference between sometimes song and score or sometimes between classical music and score or previously existing music that was needle dropped into the film or score. Also, if the score has been diminished and impacted by the prominent use of songs or any music not composed specifically for the film by the submitting composers, again, so we're talking about needle drops and songs, and if those are having more of a dramatic impact over the score, then, oh, the score can't be eligible. Or, again, the, the score has been assembled for the music of more than one composer, and the Academy is a mess. Their music branch is a mess, and that's all the kind of the hoops that a composer or a studio or whoever has to jump through in order to get a, a score submitted. Just submit it. And now they make this short list from the music branch of 15 scores, and then they bring it down to five nominations.
I find that with the music branch, it's never really about whether the music is good or whether the music has supported the film. It's just, yeah, I, 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 I've seen that movie and, uh, and it's really good. So the music must be really, really good. So let's jump into this show. Um, and again, for transparency's sake, I'm part of the IFMCA. I think we do a really good job with our selections. So back in 1998, when the Film Music Critics Jury was assembled, and I honestly wish I had a master list of the original members of the Film Music Critics Jury. I do know that there were some members from Film Score Monthly. Michael Carlson was a member. Uh, there weren't many of them, but uh, they are the ones that started this whole IFMCA thing before it became the IFMCA. Uh, but in 1998, they started get, handing out their list of best scores based on what film music journalists thought. So in 1998, which was still a year that the Academy Awards were handing out best dramatic score and best musical comedy score separately, and this would be the last year that they do it, the film music Critics jury were only handing out the film score of the year, but they were also handing out awards for drama, comedy, horror thriller, science fiction fantasy, adventure, action. So the Academy that year, again, I think back in 1998, they were still doing a relatively good job. And I actually liked the separation of the dramatic and comedy category because the comedy category seemed to be way more interesting. There were scores in that category that most likely would never have been nominated for an Academy Award ever if it was just the best original score. So in the comedy category in 1998, you had A Bug's Life by Randy Newman, Mulan by Jerry Goldsmith, Patch Adams by Mark Shaman, The Prince of Egypt by Hans Zimmer, and Unfortunately, Shakespeare in Love was deemed a comedy, and uh, that tragically won the award over absolute masterpieces that are Mulan and the Prince of Egypt. In the Best Original Score Dramatic category, you had The Thin Red Line by Hans Zimmer, which I think is an all-time classic, Saving Private Ryan by John Williams, you had Pleasantville by Randy Newman, Elizabeth by David Hirschfelder, and then the winner was, I, I would say, the much forgotten Life is Beautiful by Nicola Piovani. As for the Film Music Jury Awards, their nominations look like this. Saving Private Ryan, the music by John Williams. The Mask of Zorro, music by James Horner, which was my personal favorite of the year. Dangerous Beauty by George Fenton. And here we go now with this next selection back to films that are absolutely terrible, that have amazing scores. So they select The Avengers with music by Joel McNeely, which is an incredible score. But the winner in 1998 was Mulan by Jerry Goldsmith. Personally, I think when it came down to the Academy Awards in that musical comedy section, 
my vote would have either gone for Mulan or the Prince of Egypt. I think those are two absolutely massive masterpieces. Um, Prince of Egypt, in my opinion, remains one of the greatest scores Hans Zimmer has ever produced. And Mulan, Jerry Goldsmith didn't dabble in animation very often. Uh, you had the secret in him, and then you had Mulan. And the issue with Mulan is that it came out maybe five years too late. Because in that Disney renaissance between 1989 and maybe 1995, 96, if Mulan had been sandwiched in there amongst things like The Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, Jerry Goldsmith would no doubt have won his second Academy Award, a much-deserved Academy Award win. However, the film music critics' jury did their job and did their job much better than the Academy by selecting Mulan as the best score of 1998.
suite of music from Jerry Goldsmith's classic score to the Walt Disney animated film Mulan that won the Film Score of the Year Award at the 1998 FMCJs, or Film Music Critics Jury Awards. Film Music Critics Jury Awards eventually became the IFMCA. And again, just as a painful reminder, Shakespeare in Love in 1998 won the Oscar for Best Musical or Comedy Score, and Life is Beautiful won Best Dramatic Score for Nicola Piavani. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to the flagship show with Eric Woods. Welcome back to the show. So we're going to skip over a few years. I would love to talk about every single year, but we just don't have the time. So let's move forward to 2004. So in 2004, the Film Score of the Year Award shrunk down from 10 nominees back to five. I think 2004 for the Academy Awards, again, it was another year of pretty solid selections. And they actually picked a few scores from films that weren't necessarily critical darlings. One film was really, really bad. But all five of these, I don't think you can find a bad score out of the bunch. The problem is I think they picked the wrong score for score of the year. So in 2004, you had The Village by James Newton Howard, The Passion of the Christ by John Debney, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events by Thomas Newman, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban by John Williams, and then Finding Neverland by Yane P. Kaczmarek won the Academy Award. I think we might agree that any of the other four were probably better than Finding Neverland. Uh, it would have been incredible to see John Demney win his first Academy Award for Passion of the Christ. What an incredible score that is. But in 2004, the IFMCA Awards, their nominations looked like this. The Village by James Newton Howard, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow by Edward Shearmer, Hellboy by Marco Beltrami, The Aviator by Howard Shore, which I think The Aviator was ineligible for an Oscar. And Howard Shore, yes, was disqualified because there was a new rule in 2004 that scores of this sort weren't eligible due to the amount of original music in relation to Tractor previously existing music in the film. So that's where this whole thing comes about where if you are tracking classical music or needle dropping other music into the film, then the Academy feels like, well, at least the music branch feels like the rest of the Academy won't be able to distinguish that music, the pre-existing music from the original music, and therefore doesn't make the score eligible. Well, we at the IFMCA, we obviously know what the difference is between original score and, and classical score. So again, we don't have crazy rules like that. Aviator, it was a damn good score and was available for or eligible for our own awards. And also that year, The Incredibles came out by Michael Giacchino, and that was also nominated for Film Score of the Year. And Michael Giacchino, that was his first major film score. He had written film scores before, but that was the one that, that's one of the greatest debuts of all time, in my opinion. And so the IFMCA Awards agreed as well, and The Incredibles won film score of the year. Having said that, Hellboy was my favorite score that year. Sky Captain in the World Tomorrow 
was also one of my favorite scores that year. Again, those two scores, genre scores, unless they were critical darlings, are never going to get a sniff with the Academy. However, the IFMCA, man, we know our stuff. And that year, The Incredibles won Film Score of the Year.
A suite of music from The Incredibles with music by Michael Giacchino. That was the 2004 IFMCA Award winner for Film Score of the Year. We're going to move ahead one more year to 2005. And this is an important year because uh, John Williams was absolutely on fire that year. He wrote four scores, and they were all varied and excellent. He wrote music for Revenge of the Sith, War of the Worlds, Memoirs of a Geisha, and Munich. At the Academy Awards in 2005, two of his scores were up for an Academy Award, and I think that was a big issue because uh, I'm pretty sure that the, the winner's ballot was split between those two. Other scores that received Academy Award nominations was Pride and Prejudice by Dario Marinelli, a solid score. The Constant Gardener by Alberto Iglesias, kind of okay. And then you had a score that, again, if it wasn't attached to a critical darling, would most likely not have received an Academy Award nomination. And it really, I mean, the theme is memorable. There are a couple of really good cues, but most of it is is quite repetitive. There's only about 30 minutes of score in the film. Uh, Brokeback Mountain by Gustavo Santolaya won the Academy Award that year, no doubt based on how the film did and not the music. in my opinion and again yes I'm a huge John Williams fan but I really do think that Memoirs of a Geisha was a masterpiece by John Williams and I think that maybe if Munich was not up for an Academy Award Memoirs might have won but Memoirs also had a, a problem gaining ground because the film didn't make a whole bunch of money at the box office and it was surrounded in controversy. And as I said, was, was ranked very, very low by, by critics. But again, John Williams, the strength of John Williams, I think on his name alone, um, helped him with an Academy Award nomination for that score. And it's a brilliant, brilliant score probably should have won. So then at the IFMCA awards, the selections were a bit different. A lot of genre film scores were nominated. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith by John Williams. James Horner's breathtaking score for The New World. James Newton Howard's extraordinary score for King Kong, a score written in an incredibly short amount of time. Patrick Doyle's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which I think is one of the best Harry Potter scores ever written. And then, of course, Memoirs of a Geisha by John Williams and... He won a boatload of awards that year. He won Composer of the Year, Dramatic Film Score for Memoirs of a Geisha, and then won Film Score of the Year. So, in my opinion, the IFMCA got it right. (laughs) 
Music from Memoirs of a Geisha by John Williams, the winner of the 2005 IFMCA Award for Film Score of the Year. Bringing you the very best music for film, TV, and video games, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Again, we're going to jump ahead one more year. And again, this is very much where it's, you got to just wait to hear the, the nominations for the film score of the year from the IFMC Awards. In 2006, the, <laughs> the Academy just, this is where they really, really became a joke. Not so much on the, the nomination front, although some of these are okay. One is terrible, and I'm not sure how in the world it, it, it made the list based on the rules that the Academy comes up with. But in 2006, the Academy nominated The Queen by Alexandre Desplat, Pan's Labyrinth by Javier Navarrete, Notes on a Scandal by Philip Glass, The Good German by Thomas Newman, and Babel by Gustavo Santoalaya. Um, there's a lot of previously existing music that is much more um, memorable than Gustavo Santoalaya's score. I guess because of the popularity of the film, why it got the Academy Award, it was an absolute joke. 2006, what a joke. Let's go into 2006 with the IFMC Awards. Did we do it better? Again, I think we did. And there there are six nominations, most likely due to the fact that there was a tie between the nominations. So we included the tie. There's an extraordinary, wonderfully varied list of scores here. Just listen to these. X-Men The Last Stand by John Powell. I think it's one of the great superhero scores. Perfume The Story of a Murderer by Tom Tykwer, Reinhold Heil, and Johnny Klimek. What an extraordinary score that is. The Fountain by Clint Mazel, The Da Vinci Code by Hans Zimmer, one of his most famous scores. You get an incredible score by Mark Isham for The Black Dahlia, and then Lady in the Water by James Newton Howard, which eventually turned out to be the winner that year. But again, the Academy, no way they were going to nominate this score. However, it's interesting to look two years earlier, back to 2004, where they nominated The Village, but Lady in the Water an even worse movie than The Village. But the IFMCA really looks past that. And you don't find that happening too often, where you can look past the quality of the movie and kind of extract the score. And again, how does it help the film, even though it's terrible? But again, we're able to look past the film. But the music of itself is absolutely phenomenal. And so... That's, again, one of the reasons why we picked it. And I, and I think that, uh, again, we, as the IFMCA, did a much better job than the music branch, you know, the experts at the music branch of the Academy Awards. And so here's some music from Lady in the Water by James Newton Howard.
music from the original motion picture soundtrack to Lady in the Water, with music by James Newton Howard, and that won the 2006 IFMC Award for Film Score of the Year. Now we're going to hit 2010, and this is a real sore point, I think, for film score fans. I'm not sure whether you agree with me or not, but this one hurt hard. This is one of the worst decisions <laughs> the Academy has, uh, has ever made. Whew, this is going to be a tough one. Um, I've made, I've talked about this year um, numerous times here on the show. One of the greatest scores ever composed, and I literally mean that, ever composed. Actually, two of the greatest scores ever composed, maybe even three of the greatest scores ever composed, were nominated, were written this year. And which one do you want to start with first? Okay, let's start with the Academy Awards. So the Academy Awards select The King's Speech, Alexander Desplat, Inception by Hans Zimmer, How to Train Your Dragon by John Powell, which I think was a last-second edition, uh, 127 Hours by A.R. Rahman, and then The Social Network by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Whew, take a breath, take a breath. For the IFMCA Awards, we selected How to Train Your Dragon by John Powell, The Ghost Writer by Alexander Desplat, Inception by Hans Zimmer, The King's Speech by Alexander Desplat, and then Tron Legacy by Daft Punk. The Oscar went to The Social Network, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which still irritates me to this day. Um, I have gone back and watched the film recently. It still remains my opinion that if you take that score out, you still have the same film dramatically, except for maybe one scene. And it's probably the most famous scene besides the opening scene in the film. And it's the, the moment where a friendship absolutely disintegrates. And the music really does a great job at conveying that break in the friendship and the betrayal on Zuckerberg's part to throw his friend and partner under the bus. It's a heartbreaking scene. And amongst the superb acting, especially from Andrew Garfield in this scene, uh, the score definitely helps support the incredible heartbreaking, heart-wrenching emotions that are going on in that scene. What is this? Well, uh, as you know, we had some new investors that have come What in. is this? Mr. Sav. Mark! Mark! He's wired in. Sorry? He's wired in. Is he? Yes. How about now? You're still wired in? You issued 24 million new shares of stock. You were told that if new investors came How much along... were your shares diluted? How much were his? What was Mr. Zuckerberg's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Mr. Moskowitz's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Sean Parker's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Peter Thiel's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. And what was your ownership share diluted down to? 0.03%. You signed the papers. You set me up. You're going to blame me because you were the business head of the company and you made a bad business deal with your own company. This is going to be like I'm not a part of Facebook. It won't be like you're not a part of Facebook. You're not a part of Facebook. My name's on the masthead. You might want to check again. 
It's because I froze the account? You think we were gonna let you parade around in your ridiculous suits pretending you were running this Sorry, company? Sorry! My Prada's at the cleaners! Along with my hoodie and my you flip-flops, you pretentious douchebag! Security's here. You'll be leaving now? I'm not signing those papers. We will get the signature. Tell me this isn't about me getting into the Phoenix. I knew you did it! You planted that story about the chicken! I didn't plant the story about the chicken. What's he talking about? You had me accused of animal cruelty. Seriously, what the hell's the chicken? And I'll bet what you hated the most is that they identified me as a co-founder of Facebook, which I am. You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Get him out of here. It's okay, I'm going. Hang on. I almost forgot. Here's your $19,000. I wouldn't cash it, though. I drew it on the account you froze. I like sitting next to you, Sean. It makes me look so tough. It's the only time the music really feels like it's doing something. The rest of the time, it just feels like grungy drones and basic piano motifs and, and melodies that uh, is so far from what we've expected from other David Fincher films, but it seems like David Fincher has found his musical voice in Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross that uh, many do forget how incredible the music from his movies used to be especially when you think of the talents like Elliot Goldenthal and Howard Shore and David Shire and Alexandre Desplat. Personally, I just feel like the music from his films from Social Network onwards has just gone completely downhill. And I don't particularly feel like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are very good film composers. Maybe throughout their entire career, I've liked about two of their scores that feel like that they actually do support the films. The rest of the time, it just seems to be going against everything that you see on screen, or just as some of the most basic music that, again, when you think of the composers that could be supplying wonderful music for David Fincher, but then again, I'm not the one that's in charge, so. But the most egregious example of the Oscars just getting it completely, 100% wrong, is in 2010. Meanwhile, you have How to Train Your Dragon, which to this day still remains one of the best scores ever written in the, in the 21st century. I feel like the entire series of scores are three of the most important and magnificent, brilliant examples of what film scoring is capable of, which takes you back to kind of the roots of what film scoring was. The scores are not only uh, incredibly effective in context and drawing out the emotions even more so that are there in the film. It's just brilliant, brilliant music. And John Powell in 2010, having already written a plethora of great scores, and you think of uh, his work in animation, uh, Chicken Run and Shrek, to his inventive music from the Bourne series of films, 
He then comes out to How to Train Your Dragon and writes this magnificent throwback leitmotivic score that just within a few minutes of listening to something like Test Drive or Forbidden Friendship or The Love Theme outdoes anything and everything that was written that year, with the exception of, I would say, Tron Legacy by Daft Punk, um, with contributions by uh, Joseph Trapanese, also came away and transcended that film and also helped influence a particular sound that uh, ran through Hollywood from then until now. And another one that also stepped up and, and, and helped kind of shape the modern film score was Hans Zimmer's Inception. I would have taken How to Train Your Dragon, Tron Legacy, or Inception as winners, and instead the Academy decides to hand out the the best score to to one of the weakest scores of that year. And again, the Academy and I have such a disconnect that it's I'm getting to the point where I just don't care anymore. And I'm glad, again, to be part of the International Film Music Critics Association as we gladly honored what I consider to be the absolute best film score of 2010. I also feel like it's the best film score of that decade, How to Train Your Dragon by John Powell.
brilliant music from How to Train Your Dragon with an original score by John Powell, the recipient of the 2010 IFMCA Award for Film Score of the Year. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. So now we've hit 2013, um, another extraordinary year for for film music and this is another year with the academy where you're just kind of baffled by some of the nominees and most of these are okay to average film scores to one that seems like the obvious winner for oscars because it did play such an important role in the um the narrative of the movie but i didn't particularly think the music was all that interesting. But in 2013, the Oscars nominated Saving Mr. Banks by Thomas Newman, Philomena by Alexander Desplat, Her by Will Butler and Owen Pallett, which again was one of the odd selections for me, not particularly memorable. The Book Thief by John Williams, which seemed like a throwaway John Williams Academy Award nomination, not a particularly great score. And the winner was Gravity by Stephen Price, which again, I didn't particularly think was all that great. But then again, wasn't a lot of dialogue in the movie. Music played an important role in helping tell the story, so I could see why the Academy decided to give it the the Academy Award for Best Score. In 2013 for the IFMCA, we offered these nominees. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug by Howard Shore. Again, going back to that point where Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings got all those nominations, but The Hobbit gets absolutely nothing. Gravity by Stephen Price. Grand Piano by Victor Reyes, which I think when you're talking about a film that needs its music to play that important role, not only in the dramatic storytelling but it's also a part of the film itself if you haven't seen grand piano i highly recommend you check it out victor reyes's music is absolutely brilliant again i think it's one of the best very best scores written between 2010 and 2019 then you also have another absolutely grand magnificent horror score where if you're the academy in the music branch and you're thinking of um, inventive ways of composer introducing new elements and devices into the score in order to help tell the story and twist the the emotions of the viewer. Evil Dead by Roque Banos is one of those. Just listen to that evil air raid siren throughout that score, and the orchestral writing is absolutely incredible. But another score that um, I don't think got a sniff from the Academy because the film didn't do very well uh, was Romeo and Juliet, which originally had a score by James Horner. Although I'm, the story actually goes that James Horner and Abel Korzanowski were actually writing two scores at the exact same time. And then the producers or director decided to pick one or the other. And Horner's is the one that was left on the cutting room floor and Abel Korzanowski's music came out and it is absolutely glorious. And Korzanowski not only won the film score of the year, he won Film Composer of the Year for the 2013 IFMCA Awards. It's an extraordinary, beautifully romantic score written in that that lush Korzanowski style. He's an incredible composer who 
really hasn't had that breakout moment yet, but hopefully one of these days, uh, directors out there really find out about him and, and start, start offering him bigger roles, but he just continues to write more excellent scores. Emily and Till from, from 2022 are great examples of his, of his work. He just writes quality scores every single time. And Romeo and Juliet is one of his crowning achievements and was the recipient of the 2013 IFMC Award for Film Score of the Year.
Music from Romeo and Juliet by Abel Korzhanovsky, the recipient for Film Score of the Year in 2013 from the IFMCA. Moving on to the next year, 2014, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and the Music Branch offered these scores as its nominees. The Theory of Everything by Johan Johansson, Mr. Turner by Gary Yershin, The Imitation Game by Alexandre Desplat, The Grand Budapest Hotel by Alexandre Desplat, and Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. In my opinion, looking at those nominees, the easy selection is Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. What, what, out of that list, it's no competition. It's easily the best score. It's easily one of the best scores Hans Zimmer has ever written. A very uh, personal score, not only to um, Hans Zimmer, but I also felt it as well. The, the, the father-daughter dynamic in it was very powerful, and Hans Zimmer captured it oh so beautifully with his music and of course incorporating that massive church organ was it was was a stroke of genius it's not something new in film music but it just fit interstellar so perfectly there's no mistaking um, the music from interstellar with anything else and i was shocked that grand budapest hotel won the academy award although that was the the going favorite uh, heading into the Academy Awards that year, I just thought that the double nomination for Desplat would have split the vote, and maybe Interstellar would have crept in there, and I think that should have been Hans Zimmer's second Academy Award. FMC Awards, their nominations look like this. And this is, again, we're going to start off with one that is a huge surprise. It's one that most likely the Academy didn't even know about, but it's The Monkey King with music by Christopher Young. And I mentioned earlier that uh, because of the IFMCA, we've helped get certain scores released. Well, The Monkey King wasn't available to anybody when we got a chance to hear it and we nominated it. And it actually went on to win an IFMC award for best original score for an action adventure thriller film. And rightfully so it's a magnificent work by Christopher Young. And then after the IFMCA's Entrada records released the score, not only due to our reviews or due to playing it on various radio shows and podcasts, but also because it getting um, such high marks from the IFMC award in the way of uh, nomination for score of the year and then winning uh, an award itself. The other nominees were Maleficent by James Newton Howard, one of the best scores I think in the past 15 years. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2 by John Powell would have been my score to select as score of the year. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel was in there by Alexander Desplat. And then one that I'm more than happy uh, won. If it wasn't How to Train Your Dragon 2, then I'm happy that Hans Zimmer's Interstellar was our selection as film score of the year. And I think again, we got it right where the Oscars didn't. Here is uh, some extraordinary music from this film score by Hans Zimmer. The film is Interstellar, and it was the recipient of Film Score of the Year in 2014 at the IFMCA Awards.
That was the film score of the year award winner at the 2014 IFMCA Awards. It was Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Moving on to 2016, this is one of those years where you're questioning what the Academy is doing, or at least the music branch is doing, because they went to bat for Ennio Morricone on The Hateful Eight, but they didn't go to bat for Johan Johansson on Arrival. Arrival being just one of those big movies that probably would have won the Academy Award for, um, for the score, but the music branch decided that it was ineligible for contention due to the film's prominent use of Max Richter's piece on the nature of daylight in its opening and final scenes. So it was disqualified on the basis that audience would not be able to distinguish that piece from a Johansson score. There have been, again, just a year earlier, there's stuff that is in The Hateful Eight that wasn't original music written by Andrew Marconi, but they go to bat for Marconi. So why didn't they go to bat for Johansson, which is a Again, another reason why I'm absolutely furious at the Academy Awards and the music branch. Again, just they, they move the goalposts one way for one composer, but they don't for another. It's absurd. Their rules are absolutely absurd. But then again, honestly, thinking of the music branch must think that the rest of the Academy. And again, the way that this works is the music branch nominates the scores, the, the list of five, and the rest of the Academy votes on that. They must think that the rest of the Academy must be stupid. They're unable to distinguish what's original score and what's not. And, I mean, I guess to be fair, if you don't know the Max Richter piece, which has been in many other films, then you might think it's part of Johansson's score, but it's literally just the opening and closing where the rest of the film is all Johansson music. I don't see the way that that, those opening and closing pieces dilute the rest of the score, which is utterly ridiculous. Anyway, that made it so uh, Justin Hurwitz could sneak in there and win for La La Land, and it might have won anyway because it's a it's a film about Hollywood. It's very music centric. It probably would have won. Meanwhile, you look at the IFMCA in 2016, and this is our list. I'm really proud of it, honestly, just because there's scores here for everybody. First of all, La Torte Rouge, The Red Turtle by Laurent Perez Del Mar. Wow. And it is an extraordinary score written for an animated film. And the fact that we had it as our top five, I'm really proud of the IFMCA for that one. Nocturnal Animals by Abel Korzhanovsky, an incredible score. Uh, Justin Hurwitz, La La Land, very good. Um, then we had Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by James Newton Howard, and a wonderful fantasy adventure score. And then we had Arrival by Johan Johansson. And of course, we don't care about what is at the top and tail of this film, whether it was composed by Johansson or not, and it wasn't. We could tell, as film music experts, the meat of the score 
in between those bookended needle drops are what's important. And as much as I didn't find Arrival to be as great as some other people did, I am just proud that we don't disqualify scores for petty little things and uh, stupid rules that make no sense or to dumb down um, nominations because the, the rest of the Academy doesn't really pay attention. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the key here is with the Academy's music branch rules, they are trying to dumb everything down for the rest of the Academy because they honestly don't pay attention to these secondary technical categories. They just don't care. The, the categories that I think that the Academy and actually most of the people that are watching only care about picture, director, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, and, and that's it. If, it. if that was the show, I'm sure that a good portion of the audience would be happy with that. And I'm honestly sure that the rest of the Academy, I mean, do you really think that they care about costume design or sound effects? They don't. And so I'm super proud that we said, forget you, Academy. So Arrival actually was chosen as best score of the year for the 2016 IFMCA Awards.
Innovative score by Johan Johansson for Arrival, the 2016 IFMC Awards Film Score of the Year. So in 2021, the Academy was kind of all over the place in their selections for film scores. And uh, I guess I have to applaud them for uh, at least picking one that seemed to be kind of out of left field, although it's not a great score. That's the thing. I'm glad that they went outside of the box and, and picked something that might not have been a score that was on anybody's radar, but it really isn't that good. And it's Parallel Mothers by Alberto Iglesias. And that was such an odd nomination. Uh, the Power of the Dog, again, by Johnny Greenwood. Great composer. This score wasn't that great, but I think it it, uh, it got a nomination kind of on the strength of the film. Encanto by Jermaine Franco. It's fine. The songs were much more memorable than the score. All the score is fun, but it's okay. Uh, Don't Look Up was actually really, really good. A whole plethora of different styles are in this uh, score, but it fits the kind of wild and zany antics in the movie. And then Dune by Hans Zimmer actually won. 
And this is the first time in a really, really long time where I was like, oh, finally. Maybe Black Panther, I was okay with that one. But finally, like one of my favorite scores, like kind of in the top five for me of that year, won the Academy Award. And I was happy to see Hans Zimmer win. For the IFMCA Awards, um, again, kind of not on point with some of these, but others, again, I think it's just an interesting and it's a varied list that you would never see again at the Academy Awards. So The Last Duel by Harry Gregson-Williams, Jungle Cruise by James Newton Howard, you know, one of those genre adventure film scores that would never get a sniff, Uh, The Green Knight by Daniel Hart, Uh, Dune by Hans Zimmer. And then there was Coppelia by Maurizio Malagnini. And holy smokes, um, if you've never heard of Coppelia, it was a cinematic adaptation of the ballet that actually blended animation, visual effects, and live-action dancing. The film really didn't see that wide of a release. Uh, It was presented at various film festivals. It actually made its premiere on the internet, uh, it was also offered as a Blu-ray and DVD. Um, it, it did play in the United Kingdom and Ireland and Netherlands and Sweden in 2022. But it was such a small film, a small release. However, of course, us being the International Film Music Critics Association, we pay attention to these type of things. And no matter how wide of a release a film gets, it's the music that's the important part. And the thing about the music in this film, it... Really, without it, the film doesn't succeed because the film is essentially a silent movie. Now, that doesn't automatically mean that the music is great. Again, we can go to the example of Gravity. I don't particularly think it's a great score, but that film is almost like a silent film because you don't really hear sound in space and there's hardly any dialogue. And so music is playing and doing a lot of the dramatic lifting in that film, but I don't particularly think that that score is great. However, with Coppelia, uh, again, no dialogue in this movie, but the music is just absolutely sin. Sensational. Malignini has been writing music for for years, uh, doing uh, television shows and other small films. Um, if you've ever heard his score to Peter and Wendy, which is absolutely uh, spectacular as well. But this score is um, a, a hodgepodge of different styles, but really when it hits the home run, it's with the big lyrical, emotional, orchestral pieces. And it's an extraordinary score. And again, this is something that the Academy would not even be well aware of. And and I'm pretty sure, most likely, 99% sure that no one submitted this for an Academy Award consideration. And I probably don't even think that the the, the film even played in Hollywood at all for its consideration. And again, just the rules for um, how a film is eligible for the Academy Awards, never mind the music. So again, we don't have many rules. And so us at the IFMCA selecting Coppelia by Maurizio Malignini 
is an incredibly proud moment, I think, for me and the rest of the IFMCA, because this is a score that would not have seen the light of day and not too many people know of, but we at the IFMCA helped dig it up and uh, bring it into the spotlight and super proud that this won an uh, IFMCA award and, and that'll stay with it uh, for forever. And so here now, the film score of the year from 2021 at the IFMCA awards, Maurizio Malagnini's Coppelia.
You're listening to the flagship show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network with your host, Eric Woods. Well, we've now finally come to the end of the show today. Uh, we're going to end off with um, music from 2022, and let's just review the Academy Award nominees for Best Original Score. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front by Hayushka, also known as uh, Volker Bartelman. Uh, personally, I think it's one of the worst scores I've ever heard. Uh, not since Dunkirk have I ever wanted to run out of a theater because of the music. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is a very solid film, but the music really ruined it for me, and, and scores should not do that. They should not take you out of the picture. They should at least compliment it, and it's, I think it's absolutely terrible. Uh, we got Babylon by Justin Hurwitz, which I think is phenomenal and is my favorite to win the Academy Award, if I cared. The Banshees of Inniskirin by Carter Burwell. Again, a score that just kind of held scenes together, kind of the glue in between one scene and the other in the film. Nothing special. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once by Son Lux. Love the film. Can't remember a note of music. And then we get back to the rules for the Academy and the music branch and to what is eligible. And here we have The Fablemans by John Williams. Well, if anybody has seen the film, I'm pretty sure that the classical music in the film is doing much more of the dramatic heavy lifting than John Williams's music is. And there's one particular scene in the middle of the film after Sammy, the main character in the film, who is essentially Steven Spielberg, finds out through editing that his mother is having an affair, and it's an extraordinary sequence. It's very, very well played out, but it's classical music playing over top of that sequence, and classical music plays throughout the film. And John Williams' score uh, does play an important part at the end of the film, but when you're thinking about the rule where the score has been diluted by pre-existing music, this is one of the great examples of that. And so... I don't care who the composer is. You got to play by the rules. And unless John Williams wrote into the Academy and said, you know, here's why my music should be eligible for an Academy Award, this score should not have been eligible for an Academy Award. And I don't care what John Williams had to say, whether this was his one of his last film scores, although he's gone back on that um, recently and he's not retiring from film scoring. And with Indy 5 was supposed to be his last uh, film score, but it's not. But many thought that this maybe was the last collaboration between John Williams and Steven Spielberg. So it's there's rules there for a reason. If you're not going to play for play by the rules, then why do you have them? And so that's what just infuriates me. So the Fablemans gets the final Academy Award nomination. Meanwhile, the International Film Music Critics Association did something different in 2022, where we created uh, what is now known as Score of the Year. Um, we got rid of film score of the year. Wasn't too happy about that. I still think we should have a film score of the year. But what we decided to do was create a score of the year where film, TV, and video game music can all come together. And we just select what we think is the best of the best from all of those genres and award uh, a score, just our ultimate award, which is score of the year. And so the nominations look a little bit different. and I, And I like that. But the score of the year nominations were Nope by Michael Abels, The Fablemans by John Williams. And again, we don't have any rules. We know what's John Williams music. We know what's classical music. We know what's working and what's not working. 
We also picked The Batman by Michael Giacchino, which I think many fans out there were surprised that Michael Giacchino didn't receive an Academy Award nomination for that. We also picked The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is a television score, and that eventually won score of the year. And the other nomination was for Avatar The Way of Water by Simon Franklin. Now, out of the rest of the nominees to receive votes, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power got the most votes, but Avatar The Way of Water got the second most votes. So if we had film score of the year, Avatar The Way of Water would have won it. Now, with the Academy, Avatar The Way of Water is nowhere to be found. It made the short list, but here we have one of the biggest films ever made. And I'm not saying that box office equals a great film, but back in 2009, Avatar received an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture. And this year, Avatar The Way of Water received an Academy Award for Best Picture, got a whole bunch of other Academy Award nominations, yet Simon Franklin didn't get a nomination for his music, which is just absolutely insane. It is just as good as James Horner's original I think there are many incredible moments in this film where the music is really at the heart of what you're seeing on screen. As much as we see some great visuals, without the music, you just don't have that same emotion. And so, again, I think that the IFMCA just does it better than the Academy Awards, and Avatar The Way of Water would have been our selection for film score of the year. Although Avatar The Way of Water did win an IFMCA award for best original score for science for fantasy and science fiction film. And it also won for composition of the year for leaving home home tree. So it is really a great score. And I just feel that uh, we at the IFMCA just seem to do it much better than the supposed experts at the music branch for the Academy. I don't know. That's just the way I think of things. And again, let me know what you think in the comments below as to uh, who does it best or doesn't matter. Again, it's all subjective. My own list of best scores or favorite scores of 2022 will be coming to this podcast soon. You'll also hear from Eric Silver in a few weeks with his selections for uh, best scores, best video game scores of 2022 so a lot of great programming coming up uh, in the next little while here on the cinematic sound radio podcast my name is eric woods thank you very much for tuning in i really do appreciate it and wherever you are in this world please take care and happy listening
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to Tee Public to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.